1: Welcome to Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life's Conversations with Joan. I'm Joan Herman. Thanks for tuning in. Research has found that married people enjoy better health and longevity. Unfortunately, gray divorce is on the rise. For many couples, the empty nest forces an evaluation of their relationship. Do they know each other? And more importantly, do they still like and love each other? Today's guest, Julia Meyer, tackles the most common challenges of sustaining loving relationships. She provides insight to help couples forge deeper meaning and greater closeness for the decades ahead. Julia is the co-author of the book, Love and Meaning After 50, The 10 Challenges to Great Relationships and How to Overcome Them. Welcome, Julia. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank you, Joan. So, Julia, let's begin by talking about what commonly happens to a couple over the years. How do people transition from the honeymoon phase to a point where they may not even know each other? Well, you know, time goes by and they go through a whole lot of uh,
0: various changes in their lives, raising children, job changes. And when they get to over 50, often what you find is the challenges just sort of build up. There are financial issues, there's empty nest, um, sometimes loss um, and grief health concerns. And if a couple doesn't have a really solid grounding, then they often start to falter as these years continue on. And I think one of the reasons why gray divorce has been going up so much is that we're living longer. And a couple in their sixties may look at each other and think, do I want to spend the next 30 years with this person? And that's where we're trying to help bolster relationships and, increase their resilience so that they will look at each other and say, I hope I can spend the next 30 years with this person.
1: And, you know, everything that you just described is is what happened to me, except I was in my early 40s. I had left my career to be a a stay-at-home, work-a-little-bit-from-home mom, and I devoted everything to my husband and my two children, and what had happened after 23 years of marriage, I lost sense of who I was. And, you know, when I looked in the mirror, I, I had no idea who was looking back at me. And that was when I started all of this work. But what had happened, because my husband and I had a particular dance to our relationship, when I tried to reclaim who I was, and, and, you know, he would say, I changed. But really, I was just trying to figure out what I wanted. He resisted, because he was used to our routine and the way things were. And so we got to that point where we were either going to grow together and evolve, or we were going to split up. And he chose to split up, um, make fun of what I was trying to accomplish. And I I agree with you. It's, you know, when you lose sight of who you are, it, it really is a bad place to be, particularly for women. And I remember I had an interview once with Dr. Christian Northrup, and we talked about why there were so many divorces in middle age and she said if you think about it many years ago people were dying in their 50s or 60s and so you made it mm-hmm. till death do you part but like what you just said if life expectancy is 80 90 maybe even 100 at 40 you could have 40 more years so it's just it's not a good situation to be in but you described it so well and, and I lived it <laughs>
0: I'm so sorry. It sounds like it was rough, although probably sounds like you're doing well now. So I'm glad to hear that. Well,
1: that's the thing. <laughs> Everything happens, you know, for a reason, and, and you end up on a different path in life. So let's go back to the couple and, and what happens when you have made your whole life about your children, and about the family, and then the kids leave the dynamics of your relationship change. So What happens to couples when they empty nest and they find themselves alone? Well, I I think what you were describing about yourself
0: before is so relevant. This book is you know Love and Meaning After 50, but I do think that it would help people who are younger um, just to prepare for what happens as time goes by. Because what you said is true, people change and they should support one another through that change. So the empty nest is a huge transition for people because, as you said, they throw themselves into the child and the family and going to sporting events and whatever marching band and then it's all over and the couple often look at each other and if they haven't done the work if they have not been building their uh closeness their intimacy their um, time together if they haven't preserved that mm-hmm. then when they look at each other they really feel this drift like who is this person and often, when after people are pretty much done raising their children, in women in particular, as you say, are finally feeling like, "Okay, it's my turn. <laughs> I need some uh, some time for myself. I need to pursue some things that I had overlooked or I couldn't have time for, or I'd set aside for my children. Now is my time. And often the the husband, unfortunately, I don't want to be too stereotyped, but the husband is often the one who's pretty much wanting to keep things the same. Right. And with great with great divorce, um, it's amazing. The divorce rate has doubled for people over 50 and tripled, believe it or not, for people over 65. And I think people try to stay together, but if they don't have the tools and they don't have enough of a connection, it's really challenging.
1: So then, Julia, how do people keep that relationship alive? I mean, for example, and I'll go back to myself using it as an example, when you become that stay-at-home wife and mother, in essence, you stop being a woman somewhere along the way and you kind of become like the hired help. You're not seeing, and and I used to say that, but but I'm saying it in all seriousness because your husband stops looking at you like a desirable woman you are, you know, either like his mother or you're someone who's always nagging about something. And again, I'm talking from a woman's perspective, but it happens in reverse Mm -hmm. as well. But how do we keep that passion alive, that relationship where you look at each other and you say, hey, that's my guy or that's my girl, like you did when you were young?
0: It's a really important question. And it is what we try to address in the book. Um, I, I feel What we found in in the couples that we work with, where my husband and I are both clinical psychologists, that when couples share meaning, when they share meaningful experiences, when they have conversations that feel connected and meaningful, that keeps the relationship going. You know, if there's that initial um, infatuation and love from the very early times, if that can, you know, that shifts and changes over time. But if the couple continues to make that effort to, to be special to each other and to share meaningful um, conversation and experiences, then that early infatuation sort of weaves its way through. But if they drift apart, then it's almost like that those early feelings are forgotten. So what we do in the book and in person when we meet with people is we try to get couples to have emotional conversations, conversations where they actually really listen to each other and don't judge and and don't criticize, but instead validate what the other person is saying, hear them, whether they agree or not. Um, and we try to have those conversations, help couples have those conversations around some of the really challenging things that come up. So with regard to the empty nest, since we were talking about it, we would have couples talk about how their grief in losing what was what was defining their life, their identity, and then also their hopes and dreams. What do they hope for now that their children are launched? And can they share their their joy in the fact that they parented well enough to launch those children and the children are doing okay? And so it's about sharing feelings and in particular painful ones because a lot of couples, what happens over time is they stop telling each other their really deep feelings. They just get through the day. Mm -hmm. So we try to get couples back to those deeper feelings.
1: It's interesting because we put the time and effort into so many relationships, work relationships, friendships, but very often we don't tend to nurture the one relationship that should be the one that sustains you, should be your best friend. It tends to be the place where we put the least effort. Absolutely. Not only that, but we
0: tend to take things out on our spouse. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the things we talk about, um, especially now during a pandemic, is how irritable people can be with each other. And um, what I try to help people see is that a lot of times that irritability is covering up a vulnerability, uh, fear, anxiety, something that the person doesn't want to deal with. It's easier to be irritable with your spouse. But um, if the other spouse could say to the person who's being irritable, you know, I think you're upset. There's something else going on here please tell me about it, then there's a chance that they can get past sniping at each other and actually share the more difficult feelings with each other and and then have that deeper connection as a result.
1: Julia, after a couple invests 30, 40 plus years in a relationship and, and then they decide to call it quits, what would you advise they do before making a divorce final? Well, as you know, divorce is painful. Even if it's something that you do want, it is a really
0: difficult thing to go through. So, you know, we sort of tell them to try, you know, knock on every door, Mm -hmm. talk to a counselor, read books, sit down together, try to hash things out, um, ask friends for assistance if possible. If they really get to the point where they both realize, or at least one enough, realizes that this is it, we're done, this isn't going to work. You know, I I guess what we think about is how does that impact everyone involved? There are financial concerns, there are health concerns, because um, as people get older, if they are lonely, they're more likely to have physical health outcomes that are bad. Um, And of course, when you divide up a couple, there's always a financial outcome that's usually worse for the woman than the man. But in addition, there are social outcomes. Um, Friends and family are deeply affected when a couple gets divorced, in particular adult children. And so what we try to do is help the divorcing couple honor what they have lived through together and respect it, even if it didn't go well all the time, and come out of their marriage feeling like they can be at least friendly acquaintances, if not friends. Mm -hmm. and that they don't have to lose everything they had together. And it would be best for, it would be a way to take care of the adult children and all the friends who are involved. It's a hard thing to do, but it's really valuable.
1: And what could one, uh, you know, if if there is a divorce like that, and one of the people, let's say the woman, we'll we'll make it the woman be the person Mm -hmm. this time, and let's say the woman tends to disappear, you know, doesn't really want to have anything to do with the family. What can the the remaining spouse do to mitigate the damages on the children?
0: Oh, that's a tough one. Are you referring to adult children?
1: Yeah, let's talk about adult children, because I don't think they get enough attention. They don't. (laughs) And they
0: often have in their, you know, sights, how am I going to take care of my parents as they age? So there there is some pressure on them. Um, I... think at, really this would be true for children at any age. The remaining parent needs to talk with them, sit down and have that really uh, meaningful heart-to-heart conversation about how the other parent, not critical of them, just clarifying, just reality-based, that other parent can't be involved right now or is unable to be the parent that they've been or the person that they've been. And the adult children and the remaining parent need to grieve. I mean, maybe there's a chance that that person will go through something and come back. Sometimes with a midlife crisis, that does happen. Mm -hmm. Um, But if if they don't come back, let's say she runs off and meets some guy and then she's on another honeymoon at 60 and everyone else is sort of watching this happen, there's grief. They have to grieve a loss and they should do it together.
1: Julia, as we age, You had mentioned before, you know, children have to worry about their parents' health deteriorating. But as a couple, there are physical issues that factor into our relationships during this time. What do you advise people do to remain close while facing physical challenges? I feel
0: like that's a really big issue for couples. Um, Because we are living longer does not mean that we're living longer in totally good health. (laughs) We're not. Um, Oftentimes, and increasingly, Uh, Spouses are caregivers for one another. And as caregivers, that is the most difficult caregiving role. Taking care of aging parents is really hard, but taking care of a spouse is even harder because what you're doing is watching your spouse change in ways that make both of you very sad. And um, what we recommend is that they have plenty of conversations about changing abilities, changing needs, that the caregiving partner absolutely needs a support system of friends or a caregiving support group or online. There are plenty of them. Um, They need to have some breaks if the caregiving is difficult, so they need some other people to step in and help out. Um, A lot of times caregiving spouses isolate the couple because they feel like it's my job for better or for worse sickness and health. I'll take care of my spouse. I don't need any help. And that is so not what you need to do. You need to get help because it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. It takes a long time often, but for the couple's relationship, emotionally speaking, the most important thing is that they continue to talk and they try to be adaptable. So uh, we have a chapter on health concerns. And we also have a chapter on sex because that changes as couples abilities, needs, et cetera, change. It's really about being able to talk to each other openly, honestly, without fear of judgment. And if a couple can develop that ability, they can handle anything.
1: You know, your work, this book is about being over 50, but I think this is a book that should be given to newlyweds. These are the tools that you need (laughs) from day one in a marriage. I agree with you. (laughs) I
0: think if people start right away thinking mindfully about their relationship and as you were describing before, making it the most important relationship instead of the least,
1: then they are much more likely to have a long and happy marriage. Yeah, because, you know, we tend to think, well, if that person loved me, they would act this way. But if they don't know how they're supposed to act, we tend to think that love is enough and everything should just work out because you love each other. But it's a Mm -hmm. lot of work. and, And I think that that's a great message.
0: Yes, it is a lot of work, but it's so worth it because this person that you're with can be a person that is a real support for you and you can be a real support for them. And, and there's really nothing better than that. But it does take work.
1: The book is Love and Meeting After 50, The 10 Challenges to Great Relationships and How to Overcome Them. your where can our listeners go to get more information about you and your work? Probably the easiest
0: way to find me is my Twitter account, which is um, all about caregiving and aging. And it's at Julie mayer 23
1: And as always, our listeners can visit our website, cyacyl.com, which stands for Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life. Julia, in our final moments, what's the takeaway? What would you like to leave our listeners with?
0: I would like people to feel like there is plenty of hope for their relationships. We're in a tough time. And couples are being tested. And I would just like them to know that if they can really tap into one another's deeper feelings and respect them and listen to them, honor them, share them, that they can grow even
1: during the most challenging times. Julia, thank you so much for joining us. It has been a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you so much. This is Conversations with Joan. Until next time, thanks for tuning in.